So I am here with a guest. I'm here with Maria Worthen. She's the Vice President for Federal and State Policy for INACOL. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we're coming right to the end of the conference now. And we've had three days of thousands of amazing people and learners talking about about personalized learning and how this is going. Uh, so I really wanted to ask you about uh, there's a center for policy. Um, that I know I didn't say that right, but I can edit this right out. It's okay. The Center for Policy Advocacy. There we go. <laughs> okay. So can you tell us a little bit about sure. that? Sure. Well, the Center for Policy Advocacy is a part of INACOL, um, and we are a team of, of former um, policy staff from Capitol Hill, from governor's offices, uh, from the White House, and the Department of Education. Yes, our team is made up of myself, of Dale Frost, who's our state policy director, Nat Trung, who's our policy director, and then, of course, Susan Patrick, our CEO, who has an extensive policy background. And our work is really to champion the transformation of K-12 education to student-centered learning through policy by removing policy barriers and by encouraging supports for the strategies that are working to, to um, help every student succeed. So how we do that is um, both at the federal and state level, um, we are trying to build enablers in the systems, things like innovation zones that give innovative superintendents space to build out personalized competency-based models in their districts. Credit flexibility, where states allow districts to uh, redefine seat time to allow uh, academic progressions based on demonstrated competency. Um, innovation zones, creating communities of practice of like-minded educators and leaders to share best practices, to share uh, skills on change leadership. And then things, statewide strategies like mastery-based diplomas. There's a huge opportunity under the Every Student Succeeds Act, the federal law, uh, which we also uh, advocated for greater flexibility in that law mm -hmm. from um, one-size-fits-all accountability assessment and teacher quality laws. And there's there's a really significant opportunity in that law for states to think about really transforming uh, towards a long-range vision for the future in K-12 um, by redefining student success and using that new definition of success that encompasses not only academic knowledge, but also... Uh, the non-cognitive and social-emotional skills that we all need to uh, be successful in careers and in life and as right. participants in a democracy. And so, because we currently define success as grade-level proficiency on a test, how can we align our policy systems to support that more expanded definition in a rigorous way? We have to think about building teacher capacity. We have to think about aligning our accountability systems around continuous improvement and our systems of assessments around students and learning. Um, so, so I, know, I know you talked yeah. earlier about um, basically removing the barriers that don't allow for this mm -hmm. to make this happen. So a, a lot of schools and districts that we've talked to over the past few days have really done some amazing things in all kinds of different places because they could, mm -hmm. but we want this to spread Right. Much more, of course, and we're seeing 
you know, thousands more schools and districts across the country really start dipping their toes, if not jumping right in the water, uh, to, to move more towards a learner-centered, proficiency-based style. Um, so it's not the old way of schooling. And is it, I'm, I'm thinking it's more structure-based. So I'm coming from a public school point. So the, the um, I'm going to have to edit this part too. Reminder of myself right here. So when we uh, talk about the structures of what public school looks like, I lost my train of thought. I'll think of this one. If you got something else, I'll ask you this after. Well, you were asking about the barriers and then thinking about how do we make yeah. this available to every student in every school. Oh, I, I knew exactly what I was going to say. Were you going to ask me how that actually works in policy? What do we actually eventually, do to those barriers? Eventually, I was. Okay. Because okay. now you, you said something about, about proficiency-based diplomas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I come from a public school district in Maine, and we have a proficiency-based diploma law right now. Yeah. But that wasn't the driver for the way my particular district wanted to change. We just we knew things had to be different, so we went ahead and changed it. Within some of the limitations that were already there, the diploma has helped, but it's not always about the diploma, it's more about the system. And once, it's, once that starts, teachers and district leaders and principals and, and whoever realize that, hey, this isn't just about high schools anymore. This is about all of them. So that, to me, is where that organic part really starts to change when you start a policy change, but then realize, hey, we can do, we can do more than this. And that's where the further policy starts. And I guess, so that, that leads me to that question is how do, how, do you, how do you do this? Well, it's a delicate balance and there are no easy solutions. I think in education, particularly in policy, um, we, we tend to gravitate towards easy solutions, towards sure. sort of this myth of the silver bullet that if we would just, you know, let our schools go to charter or if we would just you know, get a computer in every student's hand, right. then all of a sudden it's just going to organically, you know, transform our system. But I think we've all been through a number of those cycles yeah. <laughs> at this point, realize that's, it's going to be a lot harder than that. It's, we're going to need to build shared consensus that goes far beyond the length of any politician's term where we want to go. Right. And we're going to need to understand the interim steps in order to get there for the long haul. Right. And it is a balance of policy and practice. Like you said, sure. I think Maine's a great example of a state that has policy in place, but maybe at this point in time doesn't necessarily have the activities for building capacity in place that it, it once I would did. completely agree with you. <laughs> I'm trying to, be, you know. Nope, that was excellent. But, um, <laughs> and then there are other states where they don't actually have a lot of policies on the books. They don't right. have a proficiency based diploma. They may not even have much credit flexibility, but the State Department of Education is doing an excellent job of supporting building local capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think. Uh, you know, policy on paper only tells us so much. Exactly. Um, so we really, we we can't just sort of helicopter in and say, here's your bill. <laughs> this is the answer to all your problems. Right. There's no such thing. Um, and there are plenty of groups that do, that's kind of the support of their strategy is the model, the model legislation. And there's value to that so long as you deeply repurpose that to meet your own capacity, your own needs, your own shared understanding of what 
what's possible and what you want to achieve. Right. So there, you said something earlier about having that long, really long-term vision, and we're we're moving those steps along the way. And I think that's that's what we try to do as as a, as one small district is we have that vision and try to try to work towards it. So is there not is there what is it that that's not what I'm looking for? But in that long-term vision, has there been any wavering, or is it more of an adjustment towards? what's right for kids? Well, you're asking that question as if we do have a long-term, as if anyone does have a long-term <laughs> plan in place. Okay. <laughs> now, there are a couple That's states a fair point. that are starting to go down this road. Um, there, are, there are two examples I've been talking about a lot at this, this year's symposium, um, Virginia and South Carolina, which have adopted a profile of a graduate based on the leadership of local superintendents, business communities, other community stakeholders that that were building that upward pressure from the districts. They were adopting their own profile of a graduate, working with Leader 21 to do that, and the state superintendents went to the, the state-level policymakers. Like we have broad-scale buy-in for those. Our teachers' unions are on board. You know, everybody think this is the direction we need to go. So now let's start to think about how we can make this a coherent part of our policy strategy. So, you know, that's a huge first step. And But I think both those states, even though they're making tremendous strides, they have great leadership, they have great folks in place in the state departments of education. Um, the, the true alignment of the system around that, being the North Star for everything they do, um, we're not there yet with the SF leagues, for sure. example. Sure, sure. Um, Do you think that's just yeah. an interim step towards that? Even if we're not quite sure what it is, we mm-hmm. know that the path we're going down, that, that personalized learning and, and giving more agency to the kids, that's what we want, even if yeah. we can't necessarily articulate what is the United States plan for this, yeah. what is yeah. the world yeah. plan for this, what, whatever. Uh, are these steps, we know we're on the right path, we just not are not quite sure maybe where it ends? I, I, That's a I don't great know. question. I don't think we can know for sure because we haven't gone down this path yet. But I will right. say that when you look to some other countries that have already been through this, um, it's it, it's it's showing results yeah. or promise. Um, and Susan Patrick has spoken extensively about New Zealand and how they they have really. Um, adopted their vision for success for students into everything they do. Um, and that extends into uh, the professions with what they call qualifications frameworks that define, you know, what are the skills that you need to have to be successful in different lines of work. So um, I think I think definitely this is an important first step. You know, the, the first step to solving problem is to <laughs> you have a problem, <laughs> um, and the first step towards success, I think, is to define where you want to go. Right. So that's a really important first step. And I think if a state were to ask me, you know, what's how can we start this shift? That's one thing you could do. Another thing you could do is uh, establish an innovation zone to open up flexibility for sure. the coalition of the willing at the district level to start moving the needle and establishing those proof points that will then people will start to see those successes they'll start to hear the stories from the parents and the students and they'll want to do it too 
Well, thank you very much. Yeah. This has You're been a welcome. fascinating discussion about <laughs> policy because I don't know yeah. really anything about it, so I love hearing people talk. Well, uh, you can give me a call anytime. I love to talk about policy. Thank it's you very topic. much. <laughs> thank you.